The Vikings just brought in a new running back, and I have a whole bunch of your questions to answer on this mailbag episode of Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked On Vikings Podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Today on the show is Twitter Tuesday, which means I'm getting around to your questions. But before we get into all of the mailbag stuff, which will be most of the show, a real quick update. The Vikings are having more COVID-19 issues. Um, Dan Chisena and Alexander Madison, as well as Kyle Hinton on the practice squad, all had positive tests and all have uh, had to be put on COVID-19 IR. I believe of those three, uh, Alexander Madison is the only unvaccinated one. Um, so he will be out for a minimum of 10 days, which means he definitely misses the Chicago game. And if he still has symptoms, he could miss games after that. Um, and of course, Chisena and Kyle Hinton, who's only on the practice squad anyways. Um, but those guys are out as well. In a uh, in response to this, the Vikings claimed off of waivers Wayne Gallman, who played mostly for the Giants, had a year for the Falcons as well. Kind of becoming a journeyman uh, running back Clemson, I think a third round pick for the Giants back in the day. And then um, he sort of backed up Saquon Barkley for a little bit. And then that was that. So Gallman is I liked Gallman that one year when he had to play a lot because the Giants had injuries and stuff. Um, I like Wayne Gallman. He's a decisive running back. I think he's got good vision and he can see what's going on in front of him, which makes me feel pretty good about his ability to contribute right away. And we're going to need that um, with Dalvin Cook being kind of hobbled. Um, you never know if he's going to exit the, the game and Kenny Wongu having troubles with like exactly that. Uh, it's nice to have another body in and he's pretty decisive. He's got good burst. I like Gallman as a running back. I always liked him in, in New York. So I'm that's great. I guess he'll be on the roster for as long as the Vikings need him or want him to be. Um, and also the, uh, the loss of Dan Chisena is like kind of sneaky important. Like, he was a good, good punt gunner. And, uh, I think he, he probably has like a really significant impact on the opponent's starting field position. So, uh, losing that obviously is going to be, you know, that much of a, of a value problem. Um, so let's move on to the mailbag. You can send me questions anytime at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. There is also a Google form in the show notes. So last week we did a head coach thing where I did something different with Twitter Tuesday, but some of you still sent me normal questions and I want to get around to them. So there's some of those sprinkled in here too. But the first one comes from Brian Herrera, who is one of those old ones who said he hinted at the possibility of the Vikings having a few bad seasons if they blew up the, re- the regime. Do you think they can't f- even find a fraction of the success that the Wild had with doing the same? They jet all the big names, fan favorites, and coach. So I am not familiar with the Wild at all. Go listen to Lockdown Wild with Seth Tupal. He'll get you s- situated on the Wild. I don't know anything about the Wild. But I also I do know that the NFL and the NHL are very different leagues. So I wouldn't call those situations comparable. Um, here's the deal. If the Vikings blow things up, they're probably getting rid of a lot of the older players. And if they get rid of a lot of the older players, they're getting rid of a lot of the starters. Now, the Vikings have a reasonable core, I guess, of younger players that can be either depth or maybe some guys can compete for a start. You know, guys like DJ Wanham or Armin Watts who could compete for a start, but you wouldn't like anoint them that job. 
Um, and so the Vikings have a lot of work to do in a roster. And the other thing is they have to get out from under this Kirk Cousins thing. So unless you think that in one offseason, they can trade away Kirk Cousins, get a new quarterback in that is both cheaper and better than Kirk Cousins, and also improve the roster another way, they're probably taking a year off. And if they're taking a year off, then they're probably getting rid of anybody who doesn't really figure to be good after that year off. And if they're doing that, they're blowing up a lot, and then they got a lot of rebuilding to do. And it's okay to have a transition year, a little bridge year. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to just, you know, ah, cut out Mike Zimmer and whoever else you hate, and suddenly the Vikings are a Super Bowl contender. Takes a long time to build something like that, and they should probably do so patiently and with good timing in mind. Eli asks, besides Mason Cole, who is one addition from this past offseason you're pounding the table to extend or resign, and why? Um, so I, I definitely would extend Mason Cole the way he has played so far this season. I think he's earned it, um, bar none. As a right guard, he's, he can be Josh Klein now. Just do it. And more on those guys tomorrow, probably. Uh, little tease for you. But outside of that, there's a lot of one-year dudes. I would not mind another one-year deal on Xavier Woods and another one-year deal on Patrick Peterson. Keep the secondary together. The better they can work together, um, the better that they get. So that would also even go for Bashad Breland, who you wouldn't spend a lot on. Um, and I wouldn't exactly, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, bend over backwards for him but i would offer him you know a million or two and if nobody else wants him yeah come on in and see if you can get a little bit more comfortable in the system i think all of those guys i would probably do another one-year deal patrick peterson i would extend for as many years as he wants to i don't know if he's going to want to do more than a one-year deal but if he does i would take it i think patrick peterson i would love for him to just play the rest of his career here and sign a one-year deal with the cardinals at the end of it but let's rent him out at the end you know he can be our xavier Rhodes for the colts as it were um, Nick Vigil is another one of those one year guys. I like, I wouldn't say no to it, but I wouldn't say yes to it either. Like they can kind of do whatever I could take him or leave him. Um, but I think it's the secondary guys. I would love another one year deal, but Mason Cole and Patrick Peterson are the two that I, I would really want like a true multi-year extension. Keep them in the building for as long as he can, at least as at this particular juncture in the middle of December. Uh, Jeff Douglas asks, wouldn't the known performance, albeit limited, of Rashad Hill have been better than the complete unknown of Udo at left tackle? I get he's a tackle and not a guard, but how much has he even played on the left side? Um, okay, so there's a process and a results portion of this question. The result, here's the thing. I know it's going to sound really controversial, but Udo's been better than Rashad Hill was. <laughs> Rashad Hill was very bad, and Udo has made mistakes. He is not a good left tackle, but if you want to take the first five games of left tackle play from Rashad Hill, where he was getting bowled over by Miles Garrett and he was blowing protections and he was whiffing on blocks all the time and he was getting just as many holding penalties as Udo, I would take Udo's last couple games at left tackle over those. Um, so I do think results-wise, Udo is the correct choice and has outplayed Rashad Hill. Um, but process-wise, if you want to think about like what happened in camp, well, Rashad Hill did miss a bunch of camp with an injury. And during that time, and Derisaw still wasn't ready because he was dealing with his grunt thing, during that time, they actually rotated Udo and Blake Brandle at left tackle at, with the ones. And uh, Udo played pretty well, actually, in that camp. I mean, he drew a lot of Daniil Hunter. And if you remember, Daniil Hunter was having this insane camp where he just wrecked everyone's face. But against non-Daniil Hunter opponents, uh, Udo did okay. And I think probably earned some chance. So he didn't play on the left side much, but he did prove that he had something over there. Um, I have liked him more at tackle than I've liked him at right guard. Uh, and I think that makes sense, right? Because he's always been a tackle. 
but flipping sides is obviously really hard. But he did show something there, so I don't mind Udo right now as like a swing tackle type guy, kind of a replacement for Rashad Hill, and you let Rashad Hill walk after the season. Uh, James says, could you explain to me the dislike toward Spielman? I only started watching weekly toward the back end of the 2019 season. He's always seemed like a good GM to me. <laughs> okay, well, there's your, there's your answer. Uh, I think the big thing with Spielman that people really hate, 2016, 2017, 2018, all pretty bad drafts. Um, you had, you know, 2016 was the Laquan Treadwell, Moritz Boringer draft. 2017, they traded their first round pick for Sam Bradford, and they got kind of Dalvin Cook and nobody else out of that one. As Pat Elfline was in that draft, Gideon was in that draft, who I will always stand by was a pretty good linebacker, but the, he got concussions and had to exit the league. Um, and then the 2018 draft was like Mike Hughes. I got Brian O'Neill out of it. Um, but obviously the Mike Hughes pick is crazy because he went two picks ahead of Lamar Jackson and Will Hernandez was still there. Everybody really wanted Will Hernandez or call it Connor Williams if you prefer. And then of course Mike Hughes didn't work out. So 2016, 2017, 2018 were pretty rough drafts and we're paying the, uh, the price for them right now with a really top heavy team full of players that were drafted before then because their replacements didn't work out. Um, they've now missed, you know, whiffed on, on Hughes. Gladney's out of the league. I wouldn't call that as much of a whiff. It's hard to see that kind of thing coming, but he's out of the league. Um, now they're struggling at corner, so they got to pay for that. And that means they can't pay for depth and it all kind of snowballs. That's the problem people have with Spielman. Now, look, the draft goes that way sometimes. You just don't hit all the picks. And I think fans expect GMs to hit all the picks. But if you look at the other GMs, nobody hits on all the picks. I don't know. I'm not going to be that critical in hindsight. The draft plus hindsight isn't going to get you many insights anyways. Um, but also, I mean, look, the team's below 500. Everybody in it is bad and needs to die, right? Like, that's always going to be the case when it comes to sports fans. Uh, I have a lot more questions to get to. But first, you listen to this podcast. I hope I empower you with a little bit of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile, you can be empowered to save money. Because with Boost Mobile, you get the power of a free 5G phone, so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line, so your family can share all the insights, and you get the power of one of America's largest 5G networks. You can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and the edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Only one way to find out. Switch to Boost Mobile. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save with Boost Mobile. Free phone is limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage are not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Also, heads up, Super Bowl 56 is coming. It's less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit On location exp.com slash sp56 for more information or search super bowl on location that's on location exp.com slash sb56 or search super bowl on location thank you so much for making lockdown vikings your first listen of the day let's keep going with this beautiful beautiful mailbag that you all have sent in to me the next one comes from james kunow who asked the 2022 Vikings will undoubtedly be worse on paper than the 2021 Vikings. However, a lot, but not all of the deficiencies on the team seem to come down to poor coaching and decisions. Since the offense is mostly going to remain the same next year, what's the possibility that the offense could mask up for some of the defensive deficiencies with better play calling uh, to at least keep the team semi-competitive, maybe even a wildcard playoff team? So, look, if we're going to start talking about rebuild stuff, you have to tell me who the quarterback is. That's like the most important. Who's the quarterback? Who's the coach? Um, 
I don't know if I necessarily agree that like poor coaching decisions are like the main thing. Um, I do think there are poor coaching decisions that go into this and it's, you know, the coaches like, of course, take their piece of the pie, but sometimes it's that, you know, Kirk Cousins checked down too much, or sometimes it's that the corners couldn't cover. And if, you know, if they just failed, it was a fine play call, but they failed in man coverage or whatever. That's not the coach's fault. It's the player's fault. Um, and so I, to, to go high level and then try to boil it down to one thing, it's always going to be a fool's errand. To me, if you're going to boil it down to one thing, you can only really do that on the play-by-play level and tally it up and then see who you blamed the most often or whatever. And I'm that's boring to me. But here's what I'll say. Tell me who the quarterback is. Tell me who the coach is. There are a whole bunch of questions like this that are like, what are the chances we could be good in 2022? Look, if you want to get, if you get a good quarterback, you get a good coach, anything can go, right? But you got to get those things first. So, you know, one foot in front of the other. Graham Prentice Mott said, had a whole big theory. So I'm going to read it to you. He said, Zimmer's coaching style suffers from negative focus. He always talks about cleaning things up and limiting mistakes. For how focused on correcting he is, the Vikings sure are mistake prone. So much talk of what not to do, players lose, lose a sense of what to do. And a specific instruction of Zimmer, don't play bad in the sec- in the two-minute drill, only gets in a player's mind. He fears, then expects, then plays bad. How good is he at teaching and motivating? So... I think you're mistaking the complexity of defense and the way that Zimmer is answering questions with his actual teaching style. Um, I don't think he teaches reactively versus proactively when it's inappropriate to do so, if that's your concern. Um, But the way that defense works in the NFL, no matter what defense you run, if you run a match defense like the Vikings or if you run a more zone-heavy defense like what the Colts run or something like that, all of it has really detailed specifics. If you're running a zone, you have to hit a landmark and you have to squeeze this route. You have to, you know, squeeze this kind of window and you have to read and react and play really fast. And the game has to be really slow for you. And if you're a yard off, you ruin the whole play. So I think I understand what you're concerned about here, but no, I don't think that that's actually what's happening in in Minnesota. It would be bad though, if it were. Uh, Justin Moreland said, tell me the way out. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is no light at the end of the tunnel, man. You're a Vikings fan. You live here. This is hell. Don't forget you're here forever. Ripley NFL says, why do the Vikings not give Ken a free reign to return kicks from the end zone like Cordero had? Are they really that afraid of potentially starting drives from the 19 occasionally? So I think... The reason is across the whole NFL. I actually think even, I mean, even Cordero Patterson, I don't know if he's even returning kicks anymore for, for Atlanta, um, but nobody's really taking kicks out of the end zone anymore because it's at the 25. Now when Cordero Patterson was in Minnesota, it was the, the kick, the touchback was the 20 and therefore um, it was easier to get a positive play. It's now that much harder to get a positive play. So you're not exactly going to go for it. Now, if you want to go for the home run potential and, and have that, if you have, you know, you perfect Cordero Patterson, young prime Cordero Patterson, I guess go for it. And maybe they'll start doing that with Wangu if, if this sustains a little bit and doesn't turn out to just have been a stroke of luck. But, uh, with the, the touchback line moving five yards back lanes set up differently and more conservatively, and therefore it's harder to break one. It's just not worth it anymore. And it's definitely not a thing unique to the Vikings. Nobody's doing it this way anymore. Nobody's taking it out of the end zone. In fact, if you want a kick return so you can get better field position as the kicking team, so you can pin them back more, you're kicking it to the one and making it so they literally cannot take that 25 yard touchback. Gabrielle Greco says, did we underestimate George Edwards' role in the coaching staff and organization? What do you think used to be his role that we might be missing now? Not if you listen to this show, you didn't. Because when he left on this show, if you remember way back in, it was 2019, right? Uh, way back then, he, uh, or 2020 offseason, I guess. 
George Edwards was always a great installer and a great developer. He was very good. He was an executor, as I think what I what I called him. He wasn't the mastermind. He wasn't the one coming up with the plays or the schemes or even calling them on game day. But he was very, very good at getting players into the right position and taking what Mike Zimmer said and relaying it to the players and making sure that they knew what they were doing. That was George Edwards' role. And yes, I definitely think we missed that from him. Um, but that was always the take. If you listen to this show, you, you didn't take that for granted. You knew we were going to miss that. Uh, Skull Actuary said, how many years do I have to wait before I'm comfortable with a 40 point lead going into the fourth quarter? You're going to have to find a different sport, my friend. Uh, Bishop Sycamore Bottom Dweller says, do the first, does the first half of last week's, last week's game show they can put together a competent D line or was that just a flash in the pan? Um, so the Steelers have some, O-line issues that we probably should factor in, right? They have rookie center and the rookie center problem. The Vikings really, really took advantage of the rookie center thing. But a lot of teams have a bad center and those teams will be susceptible to the same deals. So in a way, it is sustainable depending on the matchup. Um, But here's the deal. Sheldon Richardson has played excellently at edge rusher and he has now for several weeks. He's kept that up for long enough where we can just say, okay, I think Sheldon Richardson, whatever they're having him do as an edge rusher is just working. He's kind of only bull rush, but Hey, if it works, it works, right? I mean, Pearson Tomlinson, I'll keep singing their praises. What I see from them is good. If unremarkable, it's defensive tackle play. It's never going to be particularly glamorous, but it works. They're doing what they need to, what they need to do. That's three or four spots. I think have a reasonable answer to them. And then you have a weird rotation with like Wanham or Willikus or whoever else that I don't feel as comfortable with. Um, but hey, three or four ain't so bad. It can be, I guess, yeah, competent D-line. Sure, better than that. Maybe we want to aim a little higher. Gets a little harder, but competent, yeah, I'll give him that. Uh, Kyle Novak says, if Zimmer is gone, does his entire staff go too? I just want to know the prospects of guys like Patterson and Ficken staying without Zim. So usually the way this goes down is the head coach will get fired and any major advisors to the head coach would get fired. Like if it were still Gary Kubiak, it'd be Zimmer and Kubiak would go out together. Um, it'd probably be Zimmer and Spielman going out together, and then the new head coach and GM would come in, and essentially the first decision they would make is who are they keeping on the staff. So yeah, they could totally choose to keep Andre Patterson, and that has literally happened a couple times before. When Childress went out, Leslie Frazier kept Patterson on the staff. When Frazier came out, Zimmer fired everybody on the staff except for uh, Andre Patterson, and I think the O-line and the wide receiver coach. And Mike Prefer and Ficken, I guess, um, and some random assistants like Stefanski, who would end up getting a promotion and stuff like that. So, like, you can absolutely survive a head coaching change, but the new guy comes in and makes that decision. So, I don't know, depends on who the new guy is. Uh, Kyle Slaby asks, if you could go back to the beginning of the season and protect one player from injury and sickness for the full year, who would impact the current Vikings record or outlook most through their availability? So... If I could go back in the season, if I didn't have the benefit of hindsight, I think the obvious answer would be Kirk Cousins, right? Say he's going to be available for all the games. We don't have to worry about the COVID thing or an injury or anything like that. Of course, you're going to protect the quarterback. But of course, that's a lame answer. So uh, with with the benefit of hindsight, it's got to be Daniel Hunter, right? Like he was such an important piece on that edge rush. I just complained about one of the edge rushing spots. Let me have a healthy Daniel Hunter all year. He's a game wrecker and he totally changes the texture of the defense. Uh, Troy MCC says, do you think James Lynch and Armin Watts have done enough to compete for a starting D tackle spot next season? If they move away from one of their vets compete for Armin Watts? Yes. James Lynch, probably not quite yet. He just isn't quite getting enough snaps, but I like what I've seen from James Lynch. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he'll make the team, right. And he'll continue to be a rotational guy and develop Armin Watts. I would let him compete, but I wouldn't use that as an excuse to like not get a defensive tackle. If I let like Dalvin Tomlinson go or something like that, 
Um, I, but I mean, sure, you can probably be part of the competition a la the way Stephen Weatherly was, where, yeah, you have it, we'll give you some first team reps. If you win the job, good, good for you. Before I move on to the next part of the mailbag, let's talk a little bit about Stance. Stance is uh, awesome. They are revolutionizing the way we think about like socks and underwear and active wear because it's smart. And they are actually designed these things with a purpose to be both comfortable and warm and cozy. And also they have all your favorite pop culture designs and stuff. So you can express yourself and be you. But also, I mean, they like fit your foot. They have like a left sock and a right sock. And, you know, they're not going to bunch up in your shoes or anything like that. They are made with common sense in mind. And that's, of course, awesome. Um, And look, Stance believes that what you wear is how you express yourself, right? It's part of who you are. So allow yourself to express yourself with stance. The perfect fit matters more than fitting in. And those who feel good, do good. Go and see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off of your next purchase. That's promo code locked on at checkout, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word to apply. And you can enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. All right, let's rip through the last part of this mailbag. It's going to come from Kurt with two C's who asks, the cornerback room feels thin and bad. Do you have any insights on the bets the Vikings, on why the bets the Vikings are taking on the players or types of players that they're bringing in aren't paying off on the field? Um, So the big thing about the cornerback room is what I mentioned when the other guy asked about what people don't like about Spielman. Mike Hughes didn't work out. Jeff Gladney didn't work out. That's two first round picks that were supposed to go into corner that totally failed. And now you're uh, left between a rock and a hard place. That said, I think Patrick Peterson is working out, um, and I hate Bashad Breeland less than everybody else, um, just because I'm a little more sympathetic to the plights of cornerback. I mean, corner is just impossible, and sometimes you get caught out in the wrong leverage and stuff, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you could have done about it. Um, it's just how it goes sometimes. Um, but... I think, yeah, the young players didn't work out, so they had to go get expensive players, and then when you have to go out and get expensive players, you can't necessarily get the best scheme fit, which is, I think, a big problem with Bashad Breland, is that he wants to be more aggressive than a match quarters system is really conducive to, and he's not a great scheme fit, but he was who was out there. But yeah, I mean, you spend two first-round picks over three years, and none of them are on the team the year after you do that? Yeah, that, that'll do it. Rocco's bald head said that someone on the Twitter.com said that Harrison Smith running around pre-snap is bad for the defense. I think not, but what's your opinion? That sounds insane. I I would have to know more about that take. I I have a feeling that there's more to that take that I'm not quite understanding. Um, My best guess would be something about like, well, if Harrison Smith is running around, then, uh, you know, he's like out of position or something like that. But that's the opposite. So the reason that we have that is to confuse quarterbacks. The quarterbacks will make decisions, centers will make decisions on protections based on who is aligned where. So if Harrison Smith aligns in one place, and then as the snap count starts, which you can see and or hear, um, he will back off to where his true alignment is, then it can maybe force the quarterback to either be stuck having made the wrong decision, or he has to change his decision on the fly. That's hard, and you can it's kind of an opportunity for him to mess up. Um, so that's the reason for all of that. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's worked for years. That's part of why, I mean, quarterbacks hate going up against Harrison Smith because he's really, really good at that. He's good at lining up 30 yards away from where it's actually supposed to be. And then not actually being out of position by the time that becomes relevant. So yeah, I I don't think that him moving around pre-snap is bad for the defense at all. I think it's one of the like most important weapons the defense has against quarterbacks i'd have to know more about like why that person thinks that though to really contend with it because maybe they have some other point that i'm not thinking about uh james ca says what are your thoughts about taunting penalties they suck (laughs) 
was good to see the vets taking control on defense, but some of the calls were very subjective. Um, well, okay, so the Chris Boyd taunting penalty was like an easy taunting penalty. I don't think even with the new stupid emphasis, which is lame as hell, let the players talk trash. Um, I think that would have been called all the time. But if I were in charge of the NFL, I would probably abolish taunting. Um, that I would never throw the flag at all. If you don't want to get taunted, don't get your ass kicked, if you ask me. <laughs> Uh, Waka Waka says, is Zimmer's defense too hard for our corners to play? It seems as though every game you see the cornerbacks looking at each other, wondering whose fault it was. So let's talk a little bit more about the complexities of, of match, which we've already talked about some. I wouldn't call it complicated, uh, too complicated. I mean, it is very complicated for like a lay person to understand, but everything in football is complicated. And by the NFL, football players are used to that level of complexity. I, would, I, I don't think it's like too complicated and people are forgetting the rules as much. I think there are gray areas. And yeah, that is a weakness of match defenses that, I mean, Saban deals with it too. Uh, and so does Belichick. But basically, there are, like a lot of the rules will say, I'll take a short thing, you take a long thing. But where's the line between short and long? Is a six yard a short pattern or a long pattern? Sometimes that changes depending on game plan and stuff. And there's like gray areas and offenses try to find the gray areas and throw to the gray areas specifically to encourage those mistakes from the defense. And that's the cat and mouse game of defense. Um, so when there's miscommunications and stuff, sometimes that's because the offense is specifically stretching, stressing those miscommunications. And that's just one of the rock, paper, scissors, Z kind of cat and mouses that just goes on in a game switch to a different scheme you get a different game of cat and mouse there's no way around this it's just this is what the weakness is no coverage beats everything again if there was a coverage that beats everything everyone would run it all the time ty patak who said which D D class best suits kirk so obviously kirk cousins would have to be one of the religious classes which would be like cleric or paladin or warlock depending on your sensibilities <laughs> yeah, of course kirk wouldn't be a warlock um probably cleric uh that seems like i mean look kirk is like such a devout christian a devout religious person i think him playing cleric would be a satisfying experience to him um because that's just such an important part of his personality and he could express that right absent that if you don't want to go the religious route you could go for like druid or wizard like a pure spell casting class where you have to choose each day what spell you're bringing to the to the mission um where then you kind of have you kind of have these preparation arcs and then if you prepared well you'll you'll do well and i think that would be really satisfying to kirk cousins considering the way he approaches football he could approach that the same way and that can be a really satisfying experience if you're like a, a type a kind of a, a preparer kind of person i think those pure spell casting classes can be the most fun for you uh kyle slaby asks when derisaw is healthy again do you keep cole at uh og and bench udo uh again Stay tuned till tomorrow for that. I'm going to go way in depth on Cleveland, Bradbury, and Cole and how that trio is kind of played. And uh, we'll talk about whatever else happens in the news, too. We'll see what horrors befall the team, and we'll talk about them. Until then, check out the Blocked on Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They get your gramble straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.